2: All righty, this is Zach Gelb Show, coast-to-coast coast on CBS Sports Radio. Always enjoy, always enjoy when we get a few minutes to chat with my next guest, and that is Drew Tranquil. He used to play for the Chargers from 2019 to 2022 in this off season, Said, I'm going to stay in the AFC West, but I'm going to join the defending Super Bowl champions with the Kansas City Chiefs. And Drew is kind enough to join us right now. Drew, always appreciate the time. Thanks for it. How are you?
0: Hey, Zach, doing well. Always a pleasure uh, to speak with you as well.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, Let me start you off with last week up against the Jaguars. We know how good that offense can be to hold them to three field goals and keep them out of the end zone. Just kind of look back at the successful day that your defense did have.
0: Yeah, I thought we played really complimentary, good defense. Um, I thought we covered well in the back end. I thought we rushed the passer well. Um, And I think whenever you can kind of have that formula, you can find success. I thought... You know, we did a tremendous job in uh, sudden change scenarios. Um, You know, when we were put in a bad position um, down deep um, in their own territory, we were able to force them to three um, and and played solid defense that way. So uh, really excited about the way we played. and We just got to keep stacking days and, and getting better.
2: From afar, I thought it was so awkward, the Chris Jones situation, week one, right? He's in the building, but he's not playing, and then he comes back in week two, and they get the contract figured out. We all know his importance to the team. Uh, Just how about what uh, Chris was able to give you guys on Sunday and the importance of him coming back and playing for the squad?
0: Yeah. I mean, being new to the team, it was my first time uh, getting to see Chris play um, and and being on the same side of the ball, and obviously we know how tremendous – of a player he is and, and kind of what he can bring to a team. And, we, you know, you saw that on that critical fourth down. Um, you really saw it throughout the game. And so, you know, we're really excited to have him back and, uh, and with us moving forward. You being a defensive player in this league,
2: you know how great of a player he is. But first time being able to play on the same defense as him, just what jumped out to you the most? Did anything surprise you? Maybe a little bit better advertised than what you were hearing and seeing in the last few years.
0: Yeah, I'd never seen him in person. And uh, when I first did, I'm like, he is, He's a lot bigger than I remember. He's, he's massive and, um, you know, rushes with a lot of power and, and has a lot of quickness for a guy, you know, his size. And so I'm um, really impressed with his game and, um, you know, kind of what he brings to the defense overall.
2: Drew Tranquil here with us. You know this and I know this. When you have a team like the Chiefs, everyone's going to talk about Patrick Mahomes, how can't you, Andy Reid, and then also Travis Kelsey. But your defense to start out this year, even up against Detroit, I thought you guys had a a good defensive performance and you helped you hold Trevor Lawrence out of the end zone last week. Do you feel like this defense gets disrespected nationally and and is there a little chip on the shoulder of this defense?
0: I don't know that we get disrespected uh, defensively, but there's definitely a chip on your shoulder. And when you go against an offense, you know, as good as we have each and every day in practice and in training camp. You know, you build up a, a a tolerance and a resiliency, you know, to tough situations and and tough things schematically that an offense is going to challenge you with, and so, um, you know, we're thankful we get to see that each and every day and and throughout training camp, and it really, I think, prepares us for the uh, you know the long haul of the season. So, um, yeah, really excited, you know, on how we started, and we just got got to keep it rolling here.
2: We'll talk about the Bears matchup in just a bit. I have a lot of respect for Steve Spagnola. A uh, phenomenal defensive mind, and the championship speak for themselves. But now being able to be a part of this Spags defense, uh, just what stands out to you the most about his coaching style?
0: Yeah, I mean Spags is is really kind of the ultimate competitor. I think you know an example from from practice the other day is you know we're doing a situation you know we beat the offense in on um, earlier in the week, and then we come back to to practice the same situation again because. You know, Andy wants to try a different thing, and Spaggs is just is processing through what what he thinks Andy's going to try to do. And I think, you know, the, the way his mind works, always thinking what's the opponent going to try to do to attack us. um, You know, has really played out in his resume and, and what he's been able to accomplish. He's constantly competing, constantly trying to find an edge, and um, does a really good job of utilizing all his personnel and um, and playing to his guys' strengths. And you know, I think the guys, you know, respect him for it. And, um, does a really good job. I've really enjoyed getting to know him the past, you know, couple months. Now, with
2: what they've been able to build it probably speaks for itself. When the Chiefs come calling, right? Why wouldn't you go? But uh, when you went through this process, what really led you to Kansas City?
0: Yeah, I mean, there were you know a number of teams there at the end, and I think you know the biggest thing that stood out to me was just how hard uh, Coach Reed, Brett Veach, Spags, uh, you know, our linebacker coach Brendan Daly. How hard they pursued me and, and how badly i felt like they wanted me i felt like i really had a place and a home here felt valued as a player and um you know they saw a lot of aspects of my game that they respected and admired and felt like i'd get used um you know really well here and so it, it was kind of a nice little fit and um you know my family were really excited to be here in kansas city
2: is it at all awkward? I know it's a business, but when you first walk in playing the the Chargers with the charge for all those years, going up against the Chiefs, is is it a little bit of an adjustment period.
0: It was. Uh, my wife Jackie and I joked about it kind of the first day after uh, being in the building for OTAs, and I was like, it just it was strange. It was a strange first day, uh, you know. As a competitor, you know they've been maybe our biggest division rival, you know, the past four years and. I've played him eight times, had a lot of close games. Uh, it was weird at first, but uh, you know, things have quickly, you know, turned and um have built a lot of friendships and really excited for, you know, what we're building this season. Nice
2: to not have to go up against Mahomes though anymore, right?
0: It, it's nice. It's <laughs> nice. He uh he's as advertised um, you know, even in practice, so
2: what was the first interaction like when you guys see each other in the, uh, the locker room after going up against one another for all those years, What what's the interaction like with Patrick Mahomes? You're tranquil.
0: I mean, it's like, yeah, I know you, I've seen you on the field quite a few times. It's cool to be on the same side now. Um, you know, we got a lot of, a lot in common with, you know, two young children, two young married guys, uh, just trying to figure out, you know, their path in life and figure out how to be a dad, um, and a husband and, and do this football thing at the same time. So, um it's cool sharing a lot of uh a lot of commonalities on that front but um, kind of a mutual respect and uh you know excited to kind of be on the same team with one another now
2: we know you guys are talked about all throughout the year because of the kansas city chiefs but really the last week or two with the dating life potentially of travis kelsey is he dating taylor swift or not i know he commented on it today and they've been exchanging some uh messages back and forth what has what the locker room been like on the whole taylor swift situation
0: so I got enlightened on the, on the fact through my wife actually. Um, and, and I started approaching guys in the locker room to find out on her behalf for her, um, for her insight. And um, yeah, there's rumors out there. Nobody's really sure. He's kind of keeping a, a closed door on it, but uh, he seems to want to have her join him at an arrowhead to see if he can rock it out harder than she did. It, it sounds like it might be pretty hard though. It sounds like she goes and does a really good concert for two or three hours. So, but uh Travis is a future hall of famer and and does his thing. So who knows?
2: Yeah. If you had to advocate on the behalf of Travis Kelsey, if Taylor Swift calls up drew tranquil and says, why should I come to a chiefs game to see Travis play? What would you say?
0: I'd say, well, you're going to witness probably the best tight end in NFL history. And, um, I'd imagine he's going to get in the end zone and you're never, you never know what Travis is going to do after he scores. And So I'd come just for that <laughs> celebration alone.
2: <laughs> Wrapping up with Drew Tranquil, the matchup this weekend uh, up against the Chicago bears. I know that they're going through a bunch of messy things right now with Justin Fields comments about the coaching staff. Then he had to walk them back and clarify them. Uh, their offense has been all out of sync. So I'm sure you guys are, are licking your chops, but when you look at this offense, uh when you're studying them throughout the week just what jumps out to you about the bears
0: well it's an interesting situation i feel like whenever there's distracting stuff um, in the media or even internally within a team like you know those teams typically come to fire out you know the next day i think back on my time at notre dame when we fired our defensive coordinator and came out and just guns a blazing the next game and, and kind of were United and just kind of this all-out, you know, pursuit of just winning and, and competing. And so, we, you know, we anticipate him to come out and play really hard, um, uh, you know, do what they do and, and run the ball and uh, try to get him outside the pocket. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a threat with his legs. He extends plays, um, you know, with the best of them in the NFL. And so we're going to have to be on a rush lanes. We're going to have to make sure, um, you know, we, we, don't, we don't get too uh, too high in our rush lanes, too inside, and allow them to get out. But um, they've got a good football team. They've got a lot of good players, and we you know, anticipate them to come out and play hard. So we're going to have to be focused on us, focused on our game plan, and, and really on top of things.
2: By the way, uh, when you look at your old football team in the Chargers, Drew Tranquil, how would you describe your time the last two years uh, playing for Brandon Staley?
0: Yeah, there were ups and there were downs. Um, you know, I look at that stretch when we were really down um, kind of two years ago back in, uh, what was that, 2022, and uh, you know, we won, I think, five out of the last six games to really give us a, a position. I ended up losing to the Raiders last game. You know, we, we make the playoffs last year and then just blow a 27-point lead at Jacksonville. Um, you know, there were some ups and there were some downs, and um, I think uh, they've got a lot of good players. They've got good coaches, and I think, you know, they're going to figure things out. Um, They're certainly going to play us tough and uh, we we know those games are always tough, but um, yeah, I I just say there were ups and there were downs. I know at the
2: end of October, you're going to get your first opportunity to go up against your old team. If you could look ahead a little bit, you're tranquil. What do you think the emotions are going to be heading into that game?
0: They're going to be high and I'm going to be very, very excited.
2: (laughs) All right. Last thing I'll ask you, Notre Dame this weekend. I'm sure you want to talk about them. Big matchup against Ohio State. I can't wait to see how this one unfolds. I'm actually optimistic about your fighting Irish. I think they're going to be able to run the football. The quarterback looks really good in Sam Hartman. They have a really good offensive line. Uh, I had Brady quit on yesterday. He was fully confident with Notre Dame taking down Ohio State. Where's your confidence level?
0: I'm picking Notre Dame this weekend. I think at home. (laughs) um, I think, you know, Coach Freeman, I really like what he's doing. I like the identity of the team. I like the way the uh, Al Golden's using his pieces defensively. I think they play strong defensively. I think they struggled last week um, against an opponent they felt like they really should have played better against. Um, And, uh, you know, I think they come out, play solid defensively. I think they run the football with Audrey Estame. And I think Sam Hartman, uh, you know, doesn't turn the ball over. And I think they win. I think the defense comes up with a few key turnovers. And uh, I think they get it done.
2: Well, always enjoy when you join us. Good luck the rest of the way with your new home in Kansas City. And we appreciate the time, Drew Tranquil.
0: Yes, sir, Zach. Go Irish and go Chiefs, baby. How about that? Drew
2: Tranquil here with us on the Zach Gilb show on CBS Sports Radio. That defense, I've been really impressed with them through the first two weeks of the season. I thought they got an unfair shake after the first game where everyone's talking about, oh, Chris Jones wasn't there. And look, it was a big win for Chris Jones. Like, Hickey, when I look back at that night, and I think I said that in the moment the next day, I didn't think that was a big win for Chris Jones because Kansas City had a pick six in the game too uh, where Mahomes threw one. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was off the hands of Kadarius Tony; It wasn't like his fault. And then it just goes the other way. Um, so y- you kind of look back at that. They really only allowed two touchdowns in that opening week performance up against an offense that's very good with the Detroit Lions. And then to follow it back up where you get Chris Jones back, he makes a big play in that game, and you hold Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley, and um, you know, Travis ATN Jr., and Christian Kirk out of the end zone, and you get three uh, Brandon McManus field goals, uh, this Chiefs defense isn't getting enough credit through the first two weeks of the season. And you know this, and I know this. I, I knew he wasn't going to uh, take the bait right on the whole licking the chops, getting ready for Justin Fields. But sometimes you have a messy week, and the Bears have had a messy week for multiple reasons with their defensive coordinator, uh, with the Justin Field situation. I did see they brought back Nathan Peterman today, so there you go. Maybe they were trolling us yesterday. But, but Rye, like, you look at it, this is a horrible landing spot for the Bears. I know that the Chiefs defense, I don't think nationally gets a ton of respect. But they're going to get after Justin Fields this weekend, and the, and these are going to be one of the, one of the games that you look back at and you're like, what, forty to ten this weekend or thirty five to ten on the other side? It's a good landing spot for for Kansas City, where their offense has been the biggest problem through the first two games of the season, dropping balls the first week and even last week. It's not as if they had this incredible offensive performance, so it's it's bizarre to see how well the Chiefs defense is playing and how the Chiefs offense hasn't even got close to to getting into full gear where they usually are.
3: I mean, if anyone thought week one was a fluke for Kansas City's defense, week two showed you this is legit with going down to Jacksonville and allowing three field goals. No touchdowns for a high-powered offense that a lot of people are high on in Jacksonville this year. They go and shut the door and flummox Trevor Lawrence. And so that defense clearly is legit. And again, if you're Patrick Holmes right not, that's your best friend with the slow start he's off to. That shows you how balanced and how scary right now of a team the Chiefs still are, even though they're just one and one. Um, I do think... Look, I'm not predicting upset. I'm not saying this game's gonna be close. I do think Drew has a point when he says sometimes when things kind of Hit are in chaos and your back is against the wall, you've really no other choice but to fight. And so I do think early we will see the, the Bears maybe look competent and do maybe and just kind of try some things and almost basically do what Justin Field said, say, F it, we're gonna go for it, whether it's a trick play, whether it's only running plays that they're comfortable with. Like, I do think something's going to change this week in part with what field said yesterday. And I think that will lead to a little bit more life on offense compared to what we've seen the last two weeks.
2: So in the first game of the season up against the green Bay Packers, the Chicago bears had one had two touchdowns. They had two touchdowns in the game against the, uh, against the green Bay Packers last week up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I believe they had two touchdowns, As well. Uh, They had the the rushing touchdown by Justin Fields and the passing touchdown by Justin Fields. So, two touchdowns as an offense up against Green Bay, two up against Tampa Bay. How many touchdowns
3: are they going to get this week? I'll still say two, but I think it does look a little bit better. I think they moved the ball because their issue, too, with both the Packers game and last week against the Bucs, especially the Bucs, they went right down the field the first drive, scored, and then crickets for basically 95% of the game. And, like, kind of even with the Packers, like, they scored, but In the times in between the two scoring drives, I'm dropping the remote here, they were like three and out. They were horrifically bad. I think you'll see a little bit more competence, a little more sustained drives, uh, even though if the touchdown count stays the same, a little more competency compared to what we saw. I'm saying one touchdown.
2: One touchdown. If they get to two, it's going to come garbage time in the fourth quarter. They tried to clean up the mess very quickly. This, you know, in the last 24 hours. And I know there's been a bunch going on with the defensive coordinator and no one actually knows what transpired there yet. We haven't had clarity on that. But in terms of the Justin Field situation, that is so ugly between a quarterback who's that young and a coaching staff that is relatively new for it to get to that point. And then basically what they did was you had a, a spillage in... A, a in a supermarket where an entire shelf of milk just collapsed and the milk went all over the store, and they thought like one mop was going to be able to clean it up over the the entire store. You need multiple mops to clean up that mess, and I don't think that's just one fix. Oh, quick fix! You cleaned it up. Uh, everyone's annoyed. Everyone's motivated. Fields going to say eff it because I don't know where Justin Fields is at mentally. If I'm being fair. He was visibly distraught and looked lost, not only in the game, but also at the podium the other day. And I think it's one thing to say, bleep it, but you can't just totally ignore what the coaching staff is telling you, because then that's going to get real contentious. He's thinking too much, and I don't think you could just flick that switch with a quarterback that has his own flaws to begin with and a team that the line stinks, the only real playmaker is DJ Moore. And you're going up against Kansas City, who has not played a great game yet. This is all the makings of 38-10, 45-10. This is going to be an ass kicking on uh, on Sunday. And oh yeah, by the way, the game is is not even in Chicago. It'd be one thing if like maybe you're at home, but then the fans will start booing you. It would be really bad there. But now you're going into one of the toughest environments to play in at Arrowhead with the Kansas City Chiefs. Blowout.
3: Big time blowout. So I actually think part, I think being on the road actually helps you. Cause you're right. I think the fans start booing. It makes, it puts the pressure even amplifies it more, but I guess you, did you see what happened at practice today? What happened? Oh, you didn't see oh, oh, bears practice. Yeah. Where you had the hugging with the, uh, the offensive coordinator, Justin Luke Fields and, Justin and Luke Getzey hugged it out. Yeah. So you, you I know what that is? Your no, milk no, no. analogy. Nope. You had five employees there. Ten mops. It's all wiped nope. up. Even sprayed some sucker. nice smell, so there's no leftover old milk smell. This is like you know you're a sucker, back right? Back before you know, this is back to where you'd have no idea yeah. anything even happened.
2: Mm, yeah, because that's really believable and genuine. Where you go out of your way to hug your offensive coordinator, who you just trashed the day before in the media, and then was annoyed that you had to go clarify your comments and went after the media. That. That is real genuine. That was the most contrived thing I've ever, I've ever thought. You, they should not have done that. I know it's a fun moment. Like, oh, ha ha ha! It's hilarious. That makes me feel even worse about the Bears
3: this weekend. That screamed legitimacy. You don't even that believe that? Sc- no, of course not. Of course I don't. The hug's not doing anything. I, I did, I did laugh. There, I will say that was very funny. Well, you don't really have like this great sarcastic voice here. I figured with the way I was phrasing it, you would have took the bait or took the hint. I am not being serious whatsoever. Well, I don't know with you. You say all these crazy things to begin with. I have no clue what, what you mean and what you don't mean. You're do, starting to do this thing
2: lately where you say things with sarcasm, but then like you have the takes and you have so seriously these takes and then you put them out on social media. And no one can tell the context of them. So you're losing me here. You know what? It's not a Zach guilt problem. It's a Ryan Hickey problem.
3: I think I was crystal clear. You know
2: what? Hold on. 30, 30 minutes later. The media took me out of context. I never said it was a Ryan Hickey problem. I love Ryan, and we're going to hug. We're going to hug.
3: I'll pull a Justin Fields. It's not me. It's you. (laughs) It is the Zach Gelb Show on
2: CBS Sports Radio. Real quickly, before we take a break, play me Travis Kelsey on the Pat McAfee Show responding to the Taylor Swift dating rumors. Here is Travis Kelsey on the Pat McAfee Show. It's hilarious how much traction this has actually got. It's life. I threw it out there. I threw the ball in her court. And, you know, I told her, you know, maybe uh, I've seen you rock the stage in Arrowhead. You might have to come see me rock the stage in Arrowhead and see which one's uh, a little more lit. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens in the near future. Dog, Travis! All right, all, right. all right, now. So all we know is that they've just been talking. It's not been confirmed that they have hung out,
3: right? Just that they've been talking? Can I be honest? I'm rooting for Travis Kelsey. I hope he's dating Taylor Swift. I, I do not need day by day updates of they've been hanging out. You're they sent a few texts. Oh my God, maybe now they're they, they have at each other on Snapchat. Oh wow, they follow each other on Instagram. Now. There Can was you a believe peck it? on the cheek I heard. I don't need daily updates with their relationship. They're dating, great. She's at the game, awesome. Otherwise, I don't care. I don't need to know. I don't think Dove Kleiman. <laughs> All he does is recycle everyone else's hey, news. Hey, hey, be nice to Dope. He tweets about us a no, lot. No, he, he's nice. Shut I'm just your saying. Mouth. Like he, I actually use him a lot because if I miss anything, he's always there to basically repurpose it. Yeah. But I don't need him <laughs> using updates from like People Magazine about how Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift have sent a few messages and or maybe are going to hang out. I don't care enough for that. That's a no decent one takes you have. It's a decent take. But but I'm actually
2: intrigued by this whole thing. And I I give incredible credit to Travis Kelsey. He put the ball in her court. He's 100% right. Where he started us off, I was trying to give her a friendship bracelet, blah, 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 blah. And he has turned this into getting on the radar of Taylor Swift. It's hickey,
3: it's very impressive from from Travis Kelsey. All right, now. All right. He's got game. There's no doubt that. He's got game. He can rock the mustache as well. He's, he can do it all. Do you feel like he is, well, he, he obviously has to answer questions about
2: this. But do you feel as if why we're not getting the real answer on what their status is officially is because of the fact that he doesn't want to mess this thing up? Like, Jason Kelsey, I, I, I must have missed this on the WIP interview because the hosts were, like, laughing and, and going back and forth Them Supposedly he was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just kidding. And then WIP, like, heard that after they put out the clip as well. So uh, the whole secretive part about this is a little bit weird when it's playing out so publicly. And even Drew Tranquil's wife is like, Hey, is this like an actual thing? You see the guy every day in the locker room.
3: A lot of people are curious about this." Well, that. I mean, that makes sense in the sense that, I mean, realistically, right. This first happened over the summer, like June or July, when she came to Arrowhead and he tried to reach out. So if we just do the timeline two months ago, she's busy on a tour. Realistically, they maybe have talked A few times, they have hung out maybe one time. Like, that's not enough time to like, oh, yeah, we're dating. So I get if you're Travis Kelsey, you're not going to be the one to say, yeah, we're dating or push this ahead faster than it already is. Then you jeopardize losing her because she goes, oh, too clingy or too fast. Let's calm down or let's get out of here.
2: And, right, like for for most normal sane people, I know these aren't normal people because they're two enormous stars. But, like, if you go to a normal person, it's not like you start dating someone after – like, like going out with them, calling them your girlfriend after like two or three interactions or something like that. Right. You go out for like a few months and then eventually it just becomes a thing or one of you says, hey, you know, now it's time to take that next step and, you know, we're exclusive as a couple. Do you think this will turn into an exclusive couple?
3: I hope so. I don't know how the schedule is going to work on, out. I'm going to say right now. Take here. I am going to say no. Oh, I'm going to say Kelsey, no. You're a winner,
2: baby. That Taylor means you're going to be dating. That means they're getting married.
3: Well, that's all like, what's a couple? Like, if, I don't want to get into this, but it's like, I mean, if. Like, exclusive. For how long? Like. I'm just if, like an exclusive couple where. At any point, fine. I guess they will be a couple. But are they going to be dating for a year? I'll say this. I'll be shocked if at this point next year, we're talking about them still dating. That's the way I'll frame it. You can lock it up. They're getting married now if Hickey's giving that
2: take. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
2: All righty, Zach Gilb shows CBS Sports Radio. You could stream the NFL on Westwood One for free. Sponsored by AutoZone all season long. You could listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL Live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on the Odyssey app. Get in the zone, AutoZone. AutoZone's free battery testing and charging is available for free at your local AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. Stephen A. Smith just threw out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium. Hickey, have you seen the video of Stephen A. Smith throwing out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium? I have not. Good pitch
3: or bad pitch? What do you think? Um, I'm going to say, I don't think he's athletic. I'm going to say bad pitch. I did play college basketball. Yeah, I don't know that translates to baseball. We saw Victor Ramayama spike one with his 30-inch hands. So I'm going to say bad pitch from Stephen A. Also, isn't this kind of a question that you know the answer to? If he threw a good pitch,
2: is there any way that we're we're talking about this on the show?
0: Um
3: I th- I mean no, the answer is probably not. not, but I think you could recognize. Hey, look, that was a strike down the middle, give him credit. I think there's a chance, but you're right. More likely that it's a bad pitch. No that we're one cares about
2: if Stephen A. Smith, who I love and I find wildly entertaining. No one cares if he throws a good pitch. It only matters if you throw a bad pitch and then how bad is the pitch? He bounced the ball. And you always wonder when you have someone that's like an entertainer like Stephen A. Smith, how much of this is shtick? Do you kind of just intentionally throw the ball poorly and then you know it's going to go viral and, and all that stuff? It wasn't the worst first pitch I've ever seen. Like it wasn't Bob Bob esque it wasn't um, uh, 50, 50 cent like uh, who was it? Ariana Grande. was it? Her in high heels. I want to say in like Japan that threw like the worst first pitch ever. I, I may be wrong on, on that one, but Stephen A. Smith on this first pitch here tonight, he did go to the, to the top of the mound, to, uh, right, right, went right to the rubber and he threw the ball. It bounced. Oh, before the batter's box. Before the the top part of the batter's box, if you have the light infield grass, did it even clear that? Let's see. I'm slowing it down right now. I would say, oh, just cleared the infield grass uh, right right in front of home plate. This is a bad first pitch. Now I don't I don't remember here. Didn't Stephen A. recently have like some type of surgery or something like that? I know he went through a bad battle with uh, COVID, but I want to say there was like some rotator cuff surgery or or something like that. Um, let me see. Yeah, here I think you're thing. right, I think
3: he's on TV with a sling on for a while.
2: Yeah, he's recovering from shoulder surgery, and this was back uh this was July in twenty twenty two. So I don't know if there's any long uh term effects from the the shoulder surgery and maybe that limits his mobility, but he was the one that went to the to the rubber on right on top of the mound. Which give him credit, respect give him credit. That. Because if, if he was not there, he would have probably have thrown a, so, somewhat close to, to to hitting a strike. So there's the, uh, the Stephen A. Smith first pitch. All righty, uh, let me get to Coach Prime here real quickly. We played this yesterday, but now I have a different thought about it. This is Coach Prime saying Shador Sanders could return to Colorado next season. This was courtesy of Bleacher Report.
4: Shador don't want to be too to nobody. He don't get down like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, people projected him behind uh, you know Caleb Williams, and Caleb Williams is is, is phenomenal. But Shadow ain't no backseat rider. He ain't he, you know he 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 drives his Maybach. Mm-hmm. He don't have a drive in. He drives it.
2: So you hear those comments from Coach Prime, and at first you go, "Oh, that's brilliant." You're basically daring your own son. And saying, you're not going to go to the pros because right now you're not the best quarterback in college football. Caleb Williams is going to be one in the draft and uh, you may be the second or third quarterback off the board. So he only does things when he's first. So therefore he's going to come back. Kind of basically right Hickey kind of like baiting him saying, oh, yeah, he's not going to go to the pros. He's not the best right now. And basically pretty much telling everyone he's going to come back next season, even though. Right, Coach Prime has somewhat of a say in this. It is his son, but ultimately it comes down to the decision of Shador Sanders.
3: That's what I thought. When everyone's kind of calling him a first-round pick already, that's kind of him trying to bring him back for 2024.
2: Now, don't get me wrong. I think Shador Sanders, after this year, he's going to be either the second or third quarterback taken in the draft. He absolutely should go to the NFL draft and should not return to Colorado For another season. I know you can make the case for NIL and right. You get to play another season with your dad and how special that would be and and all that stuff. But when I hear those comments again from coach prime and Dion Sanders, I actually think it's a great motivational tactic where it may not be throwing it out there that his son is definitely coming back, but I think there is another hidden meaning for it. I believe he's already looking ahead And we all know the Oregon game is going to be tough. They probably won't win the Oregon game, but I do believe they'll keep it close. But the following week, they're going up against USC and they're going directly up against Caleb Williams. Like if Shador Sanders technically is better than, and he thinks he could be better than maybe Caleb Williams one day, you could go show that coming up next Saturday when Colorado goes up against USC. And I think that is Coach Prime right now saying, Caleb Williams is number one and kind of using that to motivate Shador Sanders and doing a little look ahead where most traditional college coaches, they go, I'm only focused on this game up against Oregon. Coach prime is already looking towards the USC game to try to motivate his son to play his best brand of football. Probably he doesn't need it, but that's what I think coach is really doing there.
3: Possibly, and it's a dangerous game if that's true, because if he looks bad against Oregon, I think that also crumbles a lot of what he did the first three weeks of. Now this is a real defense. This is a real opponent for the first time. Oh, and I don't think so. Look how bad he is. If you look ahead and, and, again, get whooped by Oregon, sure, he could bounce back and play well against USC. I think mean, looking ahead, though, and... and Not overlooking Oregon, but not playing well against Oregon is going to hurt a lot of momentum going to USA. All
2: right. If they get blown out, that's fine. But we all know this. Regardless of the game and the outcome against Oregon, that's going to be the most hyped game. I didn't even look at the schedule yet for next weekend. And I could confidently say that's going to be the most hyped game because of still, if it's just one bad game for Shador Sanders, then it's okay. How is he going to bounce back? And now you're going up against the guy that won the Heisman Trophy and is supposed to be the number one overall pick in the draft. I'll go through the schedule here real quickly right now, and then we'll take a break. But I would, I would, before even looking at the schedule, say there's no doubt about it, that's going to be the most hyped game uh, next week. And on Friday next week, you have Utah-Oregon State. Okay, that could be a good game with Cam Rising and DJ and Gillilay. Yeah, Florida, Kentucky, Georgia, Auburn, uh, Michigan, Nebraska, Kansas, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss is a good game. Uh, you have Notre Dame, Duke, which could be a good game. Um, Alabama, Mississippi State. Yeah, N- next week all we're we're going to be talking a ton about USC, Colorado, and uh, even if Colorado loses to Oregon, I still think they'll be in the top twenty-five, and USC. Who, who do they even play this week? Oh, they have Arizona State. They're going to kick their their ass. So uh, this is still going to be the most talked about matchup. Because even if Coach Prime in Colorado loses one game, what like people didn't expect them to have this many wins at this point. And look where the, the hype machine is now. I don't think one game just takes all the, the air out of the balloon of the Colorado Buffaloes. Zach shows CBS Sports Radio. We'll come on back. We will discuss the Trayvon Diggs injury, out for the year with the ACL injury. What does this mean for the Cowboys? Victor Cruz also going to join us coming up.
1: You're listening to the Zach Gelb show.
2: Unfortunate news today. Trayvon Diggs did suffer a torn ACL in practice. So his season is over for the Dallas Cowboys. Everything was going perfectly for the Cowboys to start off the year. And now they're going to be without one of their star cornerbacks. Remember you also have former defensive player of the year, Stefan Gilmore on that defense. And if things continue to go the way, that this season has for the Cowboys. You'll probably add another defensive player of the year by the end of the season with what Micah Parsons is doing on the defensive side of the ball for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I still think the Cowboys are a team that this year, if it's not going to happen this year, then it's just never going to happen. The last few years, they've been right there with the 49ers and the offense has failed them twice in back-to-back games. Now you have an even better defense and a defense that looked championship caliber a, a year ago in that playoff game. And offensively, um, Dak, the first two games has played really well. You need Dak to step up and make the big plays late in games. And I'm talking about in playoff games. We have not seen him excel against the 49ers. He didn't even need to excel. He just needed to be a game manager and above average quarterback the last two years, especially, you know, the, the first matchup against the 49ers, Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is trying to give them the game, but the second one is the one that really stands out to me. And I know that Tony Pollard gets hurt in the game, but the defense was that good. And the 49ers offense really did nothing in the game. And for Dak to just keep on not moving the ball. And even when they got close, then you had the turnover as well. It was an absolute disaster. And both of his turnovers, I know they only led to field goals, but it still did lead to points in a game where it was so close. It would have been essential to either get the ball in the end zone or get a field goal for the Cowboys instead of turning the football over twice and getting two field goals by the San Francisco 49ers. But I will say, I have to bring up a tweet that I saw from you, Hickey, today. The immediate reaction from Hot Take Hickey after the whole Trayvon Diggs injury. The good news for the Cowboys is that Trayvon Diggs' injury doesn't lessen their chances of winning a Super Bowl. This was always in the hands of Dak Prescott. And as he's shown you in the playoffs before, dot, 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 dot. So Hickey's clearly saying that the same Dak Prescott's going to show up in the postseason, which I understand why you say that. That's things that I have said as well. But you look at when you, when you see the Cowboys' chance of winning a Super Bowl and that elite cornerback uh, tandem of Gilmore and also Trayvon Diggs with Micah uh, Parsons going after the quarterback – this does lessen their chances. I'm not saying it takes their chances away. Dak Prescott is still the biggest key for the Cowboys, but it's weird when I thought it was weird when you said that this doesn't lessen their chances of winning a Super Bowl. It may not drastically lessen their chances, but in some capacity, doesn't it have to because of how good of a player he's been in his young career coming out of Alabama uh, for the
3: Dallas Cowboys. And we've talked about every year, right? It's about, the offensive and how on the offense and how they play. We've never talked at all Dallas defense, let him down big time. Oh, they could have used one more turnover. Oh, the the secondary got torched in this game. It's come down to they have the talent. It's just they can't put it together, especially on the offensive end. And that's why it was almost I mean, it sounds kind of like a, a negative tweet, we'll say, but it's almost It was. I, I thought bit it was of a, a, a very negative reassurance tweet. Reassurance to the Cowboys fans of like it's a like it's brutal that it, he's a good player and a guy who turnover machine, but in reality your season was never coming down to Trayvon Diggs. You getting to the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl, winning multiple playoff games, winning a playoff game was never coming down to how Trayvon Diggs was going to play and if he gets an extra pick or not. It's coming down to your quarterback and the offense. Okay, but what happens if they get into a shootout up against the
2: Philadelphia Eagles? Let's say that's the NFC title game where it's the Philadelphia Eagles going up against the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles have two tremendous wide receivers in A.J. Brown and also Devontae Smith. Now in their secondary at corner, you only have one still really great corner in Stephon Gilmore. If you could have Stephon Gilmore, let's say, going up against Devontae Smith, and then Trayvon Diggs going up against AJ Brown, that improves your chances. Even in a game where, if let's say they like if they lose a playoff game this year, and I, I don't think it, it's going to go this way, but let's say if it's like thirty-four to thirty-one, if it's thirty-four to thirty-one, Dak didn't play a bad game. And maybe if you had that extra corner of Trayvon Diggs, it would slow down one of those two guys. Or even the 49ers. Because, right, out of those three teams, two of them are going to be in the NFC title game, I think it's safe to say. With the 49ers, Eagles, and the Cowboys. If you're going up against the 49ers, and I know Brandon Ayuk's not playing the game tonight, but it's Brandon Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel. Yeah, you're going to want and, and wish that you would have had Trayvon Diggs there instead of just Stephon Gilmore. That's where I think... This does hurt, like, it obviously hurts the Cowboys just because of how good of a player he is, but the teams that you're going to have to beat, sure, it goes without being said, Dak has to show up. If Dak doesn't show up, they got no chance, but if you get into a little bit of a track meet, or if those offenses get going, they have really good wide receivers, and it's not just one great
3: wide receiver. You just need one corner to try to slow down that great wide receiver. I hate, and I'm doing something I don't like, but I hate boiling things down to one person or one position. He but did. when it comes to Dak Prescott, just like Kirk Cousins, just like James Harden, in the playoffs, it to me, it's a definition of insanity for expecting something that we have not seen before. To think Dak can get into a shootout, to me, is ridiculous at this point. Like, we're talking about hypotheticals, 34-31. Could that happen? Sure. The we're, guy's a good quarterback. And He's if Drayvon Diggs, you know, is not there, could a shootout happen and the Cowboys lose because of his absence? Sure. Do, do I expect Dak to help go into any environment, any playoff team, put up 31 points? Absolutely not. But what happens, Absolutely if, wait, not. But what happens if they get the
2: one seed this year? Let's say they, they win the NFC East, which I picked the Eagles. And let's say that divisional round matchup isn't strong. And it's Eagles and 49ers in the divisional round. And they're playing an NFC title game. They're there. You can't tell me Dak Prescott. who And I'm not a believer in Dak. You're making me defend Dak Prescott. But if you really needs to win one game or get in a, a high shootout in one game in the playoffs, like that's inconceivable.
3: Yes, yes, it is. Inconceivable. Do you expect James Harden to ever turn around in the playoffs? No, but are you that's, ever going to have belief on. in Kirk that, Cousins? But but why you can't use James Harden? Is those are series. That's one game, one game. And your superstar players supposed to play great in series. Kirk Cousins, yeah. Kirk Cousins, top ten quarter. Do you ever expect him going to the playoff game to feel confident he can come through?
2: No, but did he have one game up
3: against the Saints? Did he?
2: He did. He did. And if you basically get two buys, where you get the buy in the wild card round, then divisional round, easier opponent, and you're in the Super Bowl, you got to win one game, you better get the job done. But it's not crazy to say that that could be a high-scoring game. Okay, picture
1: this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.